0: Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. Hey,
1: everyone. This is Casey Stubbs, and I'm here with Mariusz Skonechny from Microcap Explosions. How are you doing today? And thanks for being on the show.
2: Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Awesome. So tell me a little bit about yourself and tell me about Microcap Explosions.
2: Well, I uh, uh, just to start off the bat, I'm an investor, right? So there's a difference between investing and trading. I'm an investor, and I focus on uh, microcap companies, small companies. There's different definitions for what microcap company is, but usually it's a company that has a market capitalization of less than hundred million. And I focus on them because there's very little competition in that space.
1: Okay. And so then how long have you been investing with MicroCap Explosion?
2: Well, MicroCap Explosions is a is a is my website. It's like a private private group. So I started it in the middle of COVID. Uh you know, I was bored, didn't know everybody was locked down, right? And people were asking me to have something like a newsletter or something like that. So that's what it started. But I, I've been investing in those types of companies. You know, for quite some time, I would say almost thirteen years. Um, yeah.
1: Okay, so then, um, is that a like a signal type service where you share your research, or or do you is it a fund, or how does that work?
2: Yeah, so that's I I share research and okay. not not buy and sell alerts, but research. So undercovered companies that I think you know, have potential uh, to deliver great returns over, over some years. Um, I, you know, I find them, I write it up. A lot of times I will bring the management to, to share their story. Um, you know, sometimes have live calls where people can ask questions. Um, so that's what microcap explosions is.
1: Okay. Well, I'm actually really excited about this because I I think this is a great opportunity and a really cool thing to learn. So uh, you said that you like micro caps because there's not a lot of people involved in them. It's kind of like that's uh, not on the radar, so to speak. Um, tell me a little bit about the potential of micro caps and why it's such a lucrative or a good thing to get into.
2: Well, it can be lucrative if you put in the work, uh, but I don't want people to think that just because they invest in microcap companies, they're going to make money. No, I mean I would say eighty to ninety percent of those companies are trash and they shouldn't be touched. But then there's ten to twenty percent of them that have something promising. So, so you gotta you gotta put in a lot of work to uncover those and to understand to make sure what you're getting into is something. Something interesting, and, and even if you do put a lot of work into it, you know you can have losers, and and during bad markets like we have right now, I mean, almost everything can be a loser, uh, it can appear to be a loser. Uh, so, so you have to be open and have stomach for volatility. But why uh, why there is so little competition is because uh, smaller companies might be too small to be trading on NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. They might be at the early development or the revenues are not high enough. The profits are not there yet to qualify for the higher exchange. So they might trade on secondary exchanges like TSX Venture, uh, uh, Canadian Stock Exchange, or OTC. Uh, so uh, you have two types of uh, in, uh, you know, competition. You, have, you can have institutionals, institutions, you can have retail investors. Well, institutions, hedge funds, mutual funds, family offices, they're in the business of assets under management um, and charging a fee. Um, they are not going to chase those companies. Um, it, they're, they're just not big enough for them. If you have a a billion-dollar hedge fund or more, I mean there's no point for them to go after those small companies. They have to go after the bigger companies. Uh, so the institutions are really out. Uh, they're not playing in that field. And and then retail. Well, I mean, retail, they don't even, most of them don't even know these exchanges exist. Like Like, you know, I would say 99.9% of investors in US don't even know that there's secondary exchanges outside of NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange. They have no clue. And and I'm talking investors here. And then you have this division of you know, investing and, and trading, which is completely different. Well, so traders are definitely not going to go there because traders need liquidity. Uh, tech, they use technical analysis. And technical analysis doesn't really work on those small companies because you can have one person that's going to move their stock and you know you 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 just it's just not and and as a trader you need to be able to get in and out from these positions so so again these smaller companies might have it might take you 2 weeks to get out of a position uh so you know only particular people go there it uh, takes
1: 2 weeks to get out of a position because there's not enough sellers there's not enough buyers to buy the shares off of you or
2: that's right yeah. That's right. I mean smaller companies, smaller smaller audience, smaller number of buyers and sellers. If you I mean of course if you have a, you know, a $2,000 position, yeah, you can get out. But if you have, you know, $100,000 position, it might take you a month to get out of it, get out of it. And the same thing on the way in. It might take you a month to acquire a position. So it's it's a different completely different game.
1: Wow. Uh so then with the seems like there might be a little more risk involved here. Um, Is this a scenario where you put, you might purchase quite a few different companies and then most of them don't pan out, but then the ones that do reward really well type scenario. So your winners are really big and then you have a bunch of losers.
2: No, not really because it's how you define risk. You know, if you define risk as uh, you know, volatility in the stock price, Well, I don't, I don't, that's not how I define risk. I define risk as a risk of a business because there's a, if you're an investor and there's a stock, there's a business behind it. So I focus on the business. And if I focus on the business and want to make sure that they have revenues, want to make sure that the business satisfies the client's needs and wants, um, then, then you're not going to have that many losers, uh, I'm that that doesn't mean the stock price can't go down, especially like today, you know right. uh, I mean, twelve months ago, I was a hero i was getting I was getting chocolates, all kinds mm-hmm. of gifts. I was told by people that I prevented prostitution in the the, the uh, in Asia and fast forward to today, um I probably put people into prostitution now <laughs> uh, and I'm not getting any gifts. I tell you that, no one is sending me any gifts. Uh, one of the c- ceos of my company is is getting death threats so it's a little different it's a little different environment today
1: so you've got to be uh you got to be able to stick with the company make sure the company's still doing what it's supposed to be doing and still providing the service and getting the revenues
2: um that's the, that's the price you have to pay yeah that's, you know
1: so what is it that makes you Decide to invest in a company do you have like a checklist like how much research is it? How many different things do you have to uh to discover before you invest
2: i mean every situation is different, but the the main reason why you you want to even look at this is because it's probably one of the very few areas where you can you know I was able to turn ten thousand into seven million over twelve years um, and and I think it will continue. I will continue generating those kinds of returns and I can't get that. I can't get those kinds of returns, uh, without leverage, uh, on Nasdaq or New York Stock Exchange as an investor. I can't get them because think about it. Nasdaq and New York Stock Exchange. Everybody in the world is investing in and watching these exchanges. I mean, people from Germany, they don't invest in their own exchange. They come to the US. So. So how many companies are trading there? I don't know. You know, seven thousand maybe total. And so the entire world, billions of people are looking at them. Like, do you honestly think you're going to get great mispricings in on those exchanges? No. Um, and, and and also, you know, due diligence effort. Uh, what, what good? What good? And how much of my effort is going to generate? You know, outside returns, if I know everything about Microsoft, like it's a waste of time. Everybody knows Microsoft is Microsoft. But if I put my efforts into some, some, some company that, you know, there's no analyst covering it, uh, barely anybody knows about it. I can get the CEO on the phone. I can get the story. I can get their clients on the phone. I can find out what's going on. Like then my efforts go much further. Uh, And you know, I can, ide- I can potentially identify, you know, 20 times your money, 100 times your money opportunities uh, with, I would say, with much less risk. And that simply because everybody else is on strike and is refusing to look at those opportunities.
1: Now, um, how do you find these companies? It seems like they'd be very difficult to find.
2: One by one, you go through every company on the exchange and just look at every single opportunity. Like, for example, Canadian Stock Exchange has only 800 companies listed. It doesn't take that long to go through 800 companies, especially when 80% of them are trash. You know, I mean, you look at it and you're like, um, no, uh, they're looking for gold or silver. No, they're in oil and gas. No, they're in cannabis. No, I mean, you, they have cure for cancer. no. I, you know, it's just nonsense kind of stuff. Just, you just eliminate and you're looking for real businesses or real assets. Because all those companies out there, uh, you know, they tell you that they're going to disrupt something and what they end up disrupting is your wallet. Um, uh, so you, you want to find the real, the real deal, you know? Uh, but it, I mean, I don't, I went through every company on Canadian stock exchange and out of 850 were 50 were something that I will look again. And then from that fifty, I narrow it down to maybe like ten, and then ended up investing in two, out of that. Um, it's it's not that difficult, you know, uh, when you put in the work.
1: Okay, so it's so you found you got to weed them out, you find a few good ones, um, and what type of stock prices are these companies usually? Is there a wide variation? Are we talking like are these like penny stocks? Like how, what's the pricing on these?
2: Most of the time they are trading in pennies. And, and that's another reason why there's little competition there. Because the connotation of penny stocks right away, it's, it's the, the entire industry, for a good reason, says, you know, stay away. The risky penny stocks don't touch it. Well, it's perfect. Perfect. You know, you're like I don't need you to go there. Like, because I want them all to myself. And and just because something is trading for a penny doesn't mean it's a bad business. All it means is that the market cap divided by uh, the number of shares is less than $5 a share. Like, it means nothing.
1: Why are the majority of penny stocks so bad? And what is the key difference between one that's actually good?
2: Well, they don't have anything. They just have a bunch of promises. They don't, they don't have any product. They, uh, they don't have any real clients. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's just like analyzing any business. It's like, do you have a product? Is there somebody buying your product? Um, you know, is, is your product something that is hard to switch? Like you analyze it the same way you would analyze any good business. So, uh, you know, read a bunch of books on Warren Buffett and how he describes what a good business is. Uh, and then you go there and you find them, you know, they're out there. They're out there. But like you know, uh, also uh, those exchanges, like you know, Canadian Stock Exchange or TSXV, uh, they they tend to attract people that are looking for certain types of companies. So that's again uh, eliminates a lot of your competition. So for example, people on these exchanges they look for mining companies, gold and silver. They're looking for the next deposit. They're looking for you know, life sciences companies that have cure for cancer or whatever. They're looking for oil and gas. They're looking for cannabis, right? So I joke around that I say people on these exchanges, they get high on pot and they're looking for gold. And that, you know, that, so they have this mindset. They have this mindset of looking for trash, a trash that's going to pop. Uh, and are they don't understand that they're not, they're not looking for real businesses. A real business that can grow, and then eventually down the road, maybe up to Nasdaq because it's a real business. It has real clients. It has a real technology that that solves somebody else's problem, or or maybe a real real asset. You know, um, that's what I'm looking for. And everybody else is getting high on pot, and they're looking for gold in that exchange. Do
1: you ever find these micro caps on some of the bigger exchanges?
2: Yeah. Some. Yeah. Sometimes on NASDAQ there's interesting opportunities, um, but most of the time I just focus on these secondary exchanges, because the problem with 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 NASDAQ is not there's anything wrong with these companies, It's that they're all they're, they're expensive. You know, because everybody else is looking at them, so so they price them in a way that it makes me uncomfortable to pay so much for them.
1: Right. Now, if these uh, micro-cap companies are really solid, the ones that you're investing in, not the ones that are trash, and they're good companies, they're providing value, why are they on the bad exchanges and why are they so cheap? Wouldn't you think they would just go to the NASDAQ right from the beginning? And if they're providing a good value, they'd be worth more right from the beginning?
2: Well, they might not be big enough yet to qualify for NASDAQ. Uh, There's certain qualifications you have to meet or maybe their business, maybe they don't, they don't want to spend the money to be listed on the higher exchange yet, but sometime down the road, that's their plan. So, so that there's this arbitrage here that you can get them when they are on the less known exchange. Uh, fewer people can buy them because some, some brokers don't even give you access to those exchanges. It's hard to buy the stock. So. So you, you buy the stock because you understand the business. You have very little people bidding on it, and then and then you hold it. Then it goes goes on NASDAQ, and then a lot of people can buy it, you know. And then it gets repriced. It's kind of like it's kind of like let's say if you're buying a house, do you want a lot of people bidding on the house with you, or do you want to be the only buyer?
1: Well, you're going to get a better price, right? <laughs> if you're the only, <laughs> only buyer, because bidding wars. What does that do? It drives the price right up
2: right right so you know as warren buffett said uh, price is what you pay and value is what you get
1: yeah now you want the bidding war to happen you want after, the, I own after it. you already I got think. it yeah yeah
2: so. but it, it, you know it, it it might take it might take years and and, and sometimes sometimes you don't necessarily need them to uh, to uplist to to a higher exchange i mean if if enough people will buy them on a lesser exchange, you can make a lot of money. One example is a company uh, that has a, a copper asset, copper asset in Mexico, and uh, when I was buying it, uh, the stock was around four cents, and before the current sell-off, uh it reached almost four dollars, almost a hundred times my money. Today it's sitting at uh, at about ninety cents, but like from four four cents to ninety cents, it's an incredible return. And, and it's, it's been on the same exchange that, that I bought it on.
1: Um, what is your exit plan with these micro cap entries? Do you wait to get a certain return? Do you hold them long term? How do you plan to get out? Hello, this is Casey. And I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book, that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset. And you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're
2: going to love it. Sometimes they can get bought out so then you get out like this. Uh, other times you you wait for them to go on to a better exchange. You know, it gets repriced. Um a lot of times if if you make money on it, you kind of you know trim a little bit of your position because you always find other things that you know you don't want to be maybe too concentrated or oh, I have something else and where do I get the money from? Well, let me trim a little bit of this.
1: What would you recommend? Uh, for someone that is interested in getting involved in micro cap investing, like what are some steps they can take and some things that they could do to get started?
2: Well, I would say you have to have a you have to be more independent. You you have to be a person that is willing to, um, you know, do the work on your own and not have confirmation from other people. Like you know, if you go to this space, you better understand businesses. So, so I would say study businesses, study everything Warren Buffett talks about, what makes a good business, bad business, and then take that knowledge and go into that space. But again, you you're going into a space you're not going to have an analyst hold, holding your hand. Uh, you have to, you know, be comfortable doing the work yourself and being able to recognize recognize what is a good business or not. Kind of kind of like if you're you know choosing a wife, are you going to ask everyone if you should marry her? Like you probably can recognize on your own right know,
1: there's probably a lack of sources of information on these companies uh sometimes i've seen uh, newsletters that try to pump these types of companies they're no good you can't really trust what you read in those newsletters they're the only those newsletters are just there to sell subscriptions they're not or maybe they're trying to pump the price or whatever you can't really trust them and then outside of that, there's not much information other than the the people you can't trust. And, you know, a lot of people don't even realize you can't trust that type of research. So where do you go to get the real information?
2: You go directly to the company. You, you go and talk to the CEO, go to the management. You find out who the clients are. You call their clients, find out why are they using a product. But so you know you you learn the industry that they're they're in is there is there a hole that they're fix that they're uh, you know filling is there inefficiencies that they're addressing uh you know get get on the phone with some cost, uh employees former employees call some directors you you got to do do this work uh because like you said there's there's no information which is great because you can be the one with information advantage um uh, you you don't really have a chance to have an informational advantage on Microsoft or Apple like what are you going right. to do go to the apple store and ask do you have a new like like there's no information advantage so it's pointless but with these companies you can get an informational advantage so take advantage of it um you know you can you can be an expert
1: so did you learn this yourself from uh from studying some of the things that Warren Buffett did or how did you learn specifically how to do this
2: you know, it's just my my uh, my my uh, what do you call it? Personality is is always been like not to go with the crowd, do my own thing, and uh, and it just suits my personality to be in that space and just find my own deals. And uh, and I remember listening to when Warren Buffett was asked a question at one of the Berkshire Hathaway meetings. See every every year, you know, forty thousand people fly to Omaha to you know to see him, right? And I always say it's like they fly there and they haven't gotten a single message from him. Like, like, the, like people follow Warren Buffett and it's pointless. Why? Why would you follow Warren Buffett? Like follow follow the philosophy that he teaches, but don't don't follow the stocks that he buys. Because if if he had less money, he wouldn't be buying those stocks. He's buying them because he's got too much money. But the right. message that he gave uh, when somebody asked him, "What would you do if you had ten thousand dollars to your name and you were graduating college?" And he said, "I would, uh, you know, go to those uh, lesser-known exchange. I would I would go to the obscure places to find opportunities, and I would start with A and finish on the Z, meaning go through every single company and find inefficiencies, find opportunities that are not available to others." and you can make a lot of money like this because the investment industry is not set up in a way to take advantage of those opportunities.
1: Uh, so Warren Buffett started out, I think, as an investor, and then he has grown so well and been so successful. Now he actually owns companies as well. Um, with your the success of your investing, have you ever thought of going that route where you? But you start see, I don't see,
2: I don't see a difference because I am taking ownership. When I own a stock, I'm taking an ownership in a company, percentage ownership. And, you know, somebody's already running the company. Uh, and now, I I mean, I could I could buy up, you know, uh, 10, 20, 30, 40% of a company. And then I could say, whoa, I own a big portion. I don't wanna run the company. I want the person, you know, that's running it hopefully be good enough that they can continue running it but i i I view it the same way whether i own a small position or a big position i'm an owner of a company and i'm acting like one
1: now with your uh with your newsletter microcap explosions uh what type of um research do people get when they subscribe to your service and how often do they do you send out updates
2: there's no there's no schedule uh because i tell people look I can find you a great investment idea every week, but what good does it do to you? Like, like The the, the way you make money is sit on those opportunities for years. And in order to get a 10, 20, 50 beggar, you're not going to get it by jumping from one opportunity to another. You got to stick with them. You got to sit on them. So I present opportunities when they present themselves. When I see a good deal, then I write it up. Uh, Right now, Right now there's plenty of deals and I don't need to find them more deals, right? I would say we have about 20, 20 opportunities on microcap explosions right now. There's plenty. Like there's plenty. The, the finding investment ideas in this market is not hard. is finding the sellers is, is hard because what do you sell to buy something else? Um, but you know, when they, when they show up, I write them up. Uh, a lot of times we might have a call with the management where people can ask live questions. Sometimes we also inject capital into these companies through private placement. So so we we, we directly uh, inject capital into these companies and buy shares directly from the company. So we kind of create our own success because if, if a company wants to raise some money because they want to uh, release a product, make an acquisition or whatever, we can help them. And, uh, and like this, we, we can create our own success.
1: When, uh, do you think it's easier to find, uh, deals like this when it's a bear market? Is there more opportunities?
2: Yeah. Right now it's so easy. And, and right now is people don't want to buy, right? People don't want to buy. They they're shaking at home, waiting for somebody to give them a green signal to go in and buy, right? Like I'm buying as much as I can right now, because you know, like, like I said at the beginning. You know, I turned ten thousand to seven million in twelve years. Uh, I'm probably down more than ha- half so far. But with the positions that I have right now and what I'm doing today, my portfolio. I wouldn't be surprised if it reaches forty two hundred million within the next four years, based on what I'm buying today. That, that's how massive it is. It, it's 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 the it's the bear markets that set you up for for huge returns it's not it's not it's not the the the, the good times it's what you do during the times like this that determines your success
1: well mariusz this has been a really good conversation and uh thank you for being on the show today um can you tell us a little bit about um how people can find out what you're doing these days and you know where they can learn more about your services
2: yeah i would say the best way to get introduced to me is to take my impossible to pronounce name, put it into YouTube, find my YouTube channel, subscribe to my channel, listen to some of my videos. And, you know, maybe maybe from there you, you can take it to the next step and be become a member of Microcap Explosions. If not, just, you know, follow me on YouTube. OK,
1: well, uh, I'll put the link to your YouTube channel and the link to your website on there. So if you're listening, there's a lot of opportunity here. I would. I'm going to personally check out the YouTube channel myself and uh, I highly recommend that you do it because the opportunity is there uh, for the people that are interested in taking a slightly different path uh, than what you see in mainstream media and investing. Uh, so Mariush, thank you for being on the show. Uh, really appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
1: Okay. Well, that's it for today's episode. And, uh, Again, check out the links in the description and we'll see everyone on the next episode of the How to Trade It podcast.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.